Well, Leo, thank you so much for coming on Emotional Support. Um, yeah. Where are you coming from? I am uh, I'm from Chicago originally, uh, but I am in San Diego right now. Oh, my gosh. My mom is from Evanston. So oh, yeah. I grew up like a mile from there. Oh, my God. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. grew up in uh, Rogers Park. So it's like I grew up between Loyola University and Northwestern. Oh and my gosh. So everybody had a backpack when I was growing up. I just Isn't thought, Chicago like, just the best city in the world though? The, I mean, the, anywhere I go in the world and I say I'm from Chicago, everybody loves it. If you say yeah. you're from LA, people half the people will boo, half the people will cheer. New York, same thing. Chicago, mm -hmm. 100% all in. Everybody wants to be a part of it. Well, not only is it like a great cosmopolitan city and then it has these gorgeous like this these gorgeous homes that are so old and beautiful and you can't even believe like where you are the best education honestly like ever um but good midwestern values and i think that that's what's the most important part of chicago like i think it's awesome and people always think i'm from chicago because i pick up on my mom's accent a little bit so it gets awkward so if you hear that you're like oh you from there anyway <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Like, I'm all about, I have to open the door for my girl. I have to walk on the outside of the street. When I see guys walking on the inside and their girlfriend's walking on the outside when walking, listen, we're going to have words. And I, I've talked to people about this before. I don't, I don't let that go by. I don't let it go by at all. It's the little things. I'll never forget the first time that I was uh, on a date with my husband and I was walking and he walked on the other side of the sidewalk. I'm like, what are you doing, you weirdo? You know, and he's like, no, I don't want you on the street. I'm like, wait, that's a thing? Like, that's, what? You know, okay. Um, so I very much appreciate you being such a gentleman. <laughs> it, I will say though, in defense of some, it has changed over time and it depends on where you have grown up in the world. Because it used to be that the guy walked on the inside and a woman walked on the outside because oh. people would dump their trash out of windows. And so the guy walked on the inside, so the trash being dumped out of windows would now oh land a woman. But then when we start getting in like cars and stuff, cars were jumping the road, that's why guys started walking on the outside because cars became more dangerous oh. than trash falling. Than trash. So, well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I always think in New York that whenever I'm walking, I'm such a klutz to begin with, that I'm going to fall down one of those, not the potholes, but you know how there's the stairs that go down to the basement oh, on yeah. some of those like oh, old restaurants? I, in New York, it terrifies me because I've seen those, those videos. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. that would be me. So I always get so scared when I go to New York, but yeah. that's not, that's not on the topic of mental health. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my but, own fear but it but it is because to me when i think about mental health i think about like being present and being aware and like if we're walking and texting then we're gonna fall down those stairs we're, we're and and we, we become more reactive because we're just not really being present in our daily life absolutely so to me that's all a part of of and if you fall downstairs let's be honest you, you're not going to be too healthy mentally after no. <laughs> especially if you break your arm or something <laughs> yeah okay, and then you're like a basket case and everyone needs to like write you off like no big deal <laughs> yeah he was a nice guy until the fall down yeah it'd be one of those and then it all went downhill from there <laughs> so tell me you are a psychologist 
Well, I have a master's in counseling psychology. So, so I, you're I, smart. I, basically, <laughs> you are the most qualified person in this room right now. So I will just let you talk because <laughs> I am so unqualified. Um, that's so awesome. Why did you decide to get that? Uh, I, it was part of my DNA. You know, growing up, I was, I, my dad wasn't around uh, that much. I would see him every now and again. Um, and so it was my mom and my younger sister. And I was often the mediator between my mom and sister arguing and fighting all the time. So I, as a kid, I'd be like 10 or 11 and I have to sit my mom and sister down and be like, all right, let you talk. And then she talks and, she, and I'd be like, this is what she's trying to it, like. I, so you must've been the cutest one. baby therapist of all time. <laughs> Like, I just imagine a little baby Leo, like sitting there with your like notepad and you're like, hey, yeah. lay down, like, let's talk about what's going on in your life. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I got the sweater on with the, with the collar and yeah. Totally. But you yeah, know yeah. what? Like, it's so well, interesting to me, people who become psychologists or who study the mind or study mental health or not even just study, but are just obsessed with it and, and want to learn more. Um, it all goes back to your childhood, right? It's all about what you see, what you were introduced to, what you experienced. It's it's just, it's so true. That's what it always comes back to. Yeah. I mean, anytime you, you get in an argument with somebody and you you don't get it, you could stop every argument by looking at them and be like, who hurt you? Right. And right. that just cuts to what all happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It cuts to all of it, you know, and, and definitely I think, you know, my dad not being around and wanting that love and wanting that attention and, and being like, why is he not here? And, and so it became this search for understanding people and dynamics and relationships and, uh, and motivations. Uh, mm -hmm. And then also just um, f feeling always like I've been accepted everywhere, but never a part of anything oh, that, interesting. that makes sense so yeah no that totally for, makes know, sense for instance you know uh you know being a black kid in chicago uh but i grew up you know my, you know I, I read a lot of books well versed so, so i felt accepted by other black kids but i never right. felt a part of because you know i've always had this this diction and you know i didn't i didn't talk like i was from the streets oh you don't sound black so i got right. that a lot as a kid and then I went to a Catholic school uh, as a kid. Also, we weren't Catholic and it was a majority white school. So yeah. once again, though, I felt accepted. Like I, I, did, I didn't get bullied or have any problems, but I didn't feel like I was a part of, uh, right. of being right. Catholic or, or being white. And it was, a, it was a upper middle class and, you know, we were middle class, but I mean, everybody had two parents at home and they had a computer and sat down, you know, right. like, so accepted, but not a part of, uh, but in the, even going to college, you know, I went to school in Indiana um, and I'm a Midwest. student there. Good Midwest yeah, the boy. Midwest. That's right. That's you got to right. stay, gotta stay going. where you know. And, and so once again, you feel accepted, uh, in the, but you don't feel like you're a part, you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. You're kind of on the outside, you're treated differently. And, that, and being treated differently isn't always a negative thing, right? Like, like, you know, I, my grades, like I got, I got extra help. I got, you know, like you, you get perks sometimes being treated differently. So I, I, I love all the experiences and I'm appreciative of all of it, but I think the benefit of 
feeling like an outsider is that you get to observe and zoom out on major issues and what is really motivating people. When you're inside, it's hard for you to see what's really going on. When you're in a relationship, it's hard for you to see that it's toxic. And then when you get out of it, you're like, oh my God, why did I spend this many years in this abusive relationship? I mean, maybe I'm speaking myself, but yes, you you feel that way where you're like, how did I not see this? And you also give the best advice. Like as a human, at least I know, I feel I give the best advice to people. I will never take that advice. I can tell you great shit to do with your mental health. I don't do one thing. No, we're all horrible at it. It's like I I coach clients. um, And even as a life coach, I still I have a therapist. I have an individual therapist and I have a couples therapist. So I have a team of people that are supporting me, looking out for me that I can talk to and go to because we all have our blind spots. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you do want to see a therapist or a coach or have a mentor or grandmama. You know, that was the importance of the tribal elders is that, you know, they were a bit removed and they could give you a life experience uh, worth of advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you were also a football player. Was, were you using football like to get to college for psychology to, did you think you were going to be in the NFL? Were you in the NFL? I didn't know anything about football, so don't hold it against me. I don't know what division one means. Like, that, that could be dancing with the stars. I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not cool with this like football stuff. I know the NBA, that's about as far as my sports will go. Yeah, that makes sense because nobody's wearing like a mask. So it's, it's easier to, to understand the players and get to know them. And, and you could play basketball like in, in your room, like the, the little Nerf hoop, but football. Listen, I grew up on the Chicago Bulls, like Rodman, <laughs> yeah. I thought was my, Rodman and Charles Barkley, I were convinced were my best friends when I was a kid and people we're like, do you know what that is? I'm like, it's my best friend. Um, so yes, I understand that. But football yeah. is so exciting and, and interesting to me. So how did that all come together? Because that's quite a mix. It, it is quite a mix. I, uh, you know, psychology to me was like the mental side and uh, just, I've always been athletic. I've always been, you know, I wouldn't say athletic is the word, but active. I was always that kid who was already outside. You know, some parents have to tell their kids to go outside, go play. Right. I was already out the door. You just saw like the, the, the door swinging back and forth and pew, uh, yeah. <laughs> done, right? I was a kid you had to tell to come inside because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just, and I'm still that way. Like, you know, I went on a 16 mile hike yesterday. Um, I just, I, I have to keep moving. I'm exhausted. I'm yeah. exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> exhausted for you. And, um, so, but I've always had that mix of that need to be active, to feel like I'm a part of, uh, of something, you know, sports related, but also that need to, to, uh, to stimulate my brain at the same time and, and to read and, and study the things that I'm fascinated by. Um, not, not that I was a great student, you know, I graduated high school to 2.0. Uh, it wasn't until college that I started to take my education seriously, but when I find something that I'm, I'm interested in and that I'm, that, that I'm, uh, I'm in awe uh, by, um, I dig deep. Right now, it's, it's chess. My girlfriend last night was yelling at me for being up late for, for, because I was studying chess moves. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. I want to learn chess after watching The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, now I'm yeah. like, I want to be a chess player. Like, All right, so check it out. I'm going to send you 
because I, 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 I've read a lot and I've watched a lot of videos, I'm going to send you a 10-minute video that will make you an 80% better chess player. Remind me at the end of this. But there's a, I found a YouTube video. My it's husband plays. I don't want him to know this because yeah, yeah. I beat his ass so badly. So this is brilliant. <laughs> if all we take from this episode is for me to win, that's all I care about. All right. All right. Yeah. Remind me, I was sending it to you. I, I watched it and I, I beat my girlfriend so easily afterwards. <laughs> I was like, and I wasn't going to tell her about the video because I just wanted to keep beating no. her. But I was like. It's our oh, secret. Yeah. It's our secret. It's our secret. <laughs> But no, I totally get that. You know, for me, I think I'm very similar to you where uh, my mind, I'm not ADD, but my mind drifts in a million different directions, right? And I have a hard time focusing or I get excited about something for like a week. And then once the rush is done, I like move on to the next thing. But those things that I am extremely passionate about and I'm curious about and I want to learn more, that's when I thrive the best possible that I can in education, in, you know, making myself a better, smarter individual for myself even. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. That was like black. Well, I think that's why when you look at uh, people who really become successful and, and happy in their success, it's not until their 40s, maybe even 50s, because a lot of what we're doing is motivated by the messages that we receive mm-hmm. from our parents, other adults in media. It's like, here's what a woman should be. Here's what a man should right. be. Here's what a black man. Here's what a white one. Like we get all these messages and people encouraging us to be a certain thing. And so you know, of course, we try to live up to those ideas, some of us. Um, and then it's not until like your 40s where you've accumulated all these different experiences and you go, wait, hold on. What do I want my life to be about? What, right. What's the legacy I want to leave? What's, what's the purpose of me being here? What's the meaning? When you're young, you get this energy, you can just go, go, go. And you don't really reflect when you're a kid. But as you get older and the injuries set in and things start literally slowing you down. And, and, and you your go, back oh. starts hurting and you're like, yeah. what happened? Yeah. I used to be taller than this. Like, yeah. what's happening? But now what did you end up do? What did you, what was the goal for you, you know, beyond the studying and learning with the psychology did you see yourself getting into therapy? Did you see what, what was, you know, yes, you're learning this, but was there something that you wanted to use with that, that tool? To, to be honest, I, I've always felt like it's, uh, it's like a, when you play a video game, like when I was, and you're trying to collect different skill sets, that's the way I've always looked at life. Like as long as I'm building in a direction of my interests and values, then everything else just happens. You know, it was like I, I played football because I was fascinated and interested in it. Um, and then once football was over, then I was able to circle back to psychology, which was my natural uh, inclination also as, as a kid. I mean, my friends right. would always come to me for advice. So I was like, all right, so let me go deeper into psychology and mental health. And then once I graduated uh, with my master's and I used to counsel inmates and married couples. So once I graduated from there, I started to realize that in order to treat someone's mind, you have to treat their 360, their body, their, their spirit, their emotional, their mental, uh, the way they communicate, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, ah, oh, the master's didn't give me quite everything I need. So then I got certified in personal training. I was a personal trainer at Equinox. And so that was a breath of information about the body that I didn't know from playing football, from studying, you know, psychology, 
that informed how I started to look at people when they, when somebody comes to me with depression or anxiety, you know, I'm not just saying here, you know, go take a pill. I mean, I can't because I'm a psych, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm looking at them. I'm going, how are you sleeping? You know, what was the last thing you ate before bed? Um, are you, are you having intercourse? You know, um, what was, you know, how much vitamin D are you getting? If you're getting, if you're outside, are you wearing sunblock or not? Like how much water are you drinking? Like, you know, have you had a, uh, uh, what are you allergic to? Do you, have you had a blood test to see, uh, if there are any allergies that you're unaware of that might be causing inflammation, maybe you're not allergic, but maybe you have intolerances. So when, when somebody presents with something or they're having issues in a certain area, there's so many questions that have to be asked and so many things that have to be looked into before we can really know what we're dealing with and, and, and what all the blind spots are. So it just made me more in, in tune with that. And my, and my clients- And that's so cool because it's, it's true. You know, it's totally beyond the mind. It's your spirit. It's your body. It's everything. And I think that's so fucking awesome that you studied the mind and then you were like, you know what? What's the next step? What more can I learn and how can I help? Because it is true. It is about the body. It is what you intake into your system. You know, your gut affects your mind. Like, I'm sorry. It, it just, it does like, you got to deal with it. Like, this is what it is. Um, so I think that that's so great that you're trying to get the grand scheme of things and like kind of learn it all to see how you can best help the other people that are out there. Absolutely. Awesome. And, 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 you know, we're talking about how the gut affects the mind, but there's also the social connection right? Mm -hmm. That we, we don't really talk about when, you know, cause you know, I have a suicide prevention podcast and um, I know I want to talk all about that. <laughs> the, the, the two things that anchor someone to life and to keep going are, are uh, feeling connected and feeling like they have a purpose or meaning. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of connection is so powerful for us. So uh, I don't know if you've seen the documentary on um, HBO called Chernobyl about Chernobyl. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what they, what that, what that documentary didn't talk about for those who, who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, there was like a, a nuclear disaster in, uh, in Chernobyl and it just like wiped out the whole city. And you and, still can't really go there yeah, without. And you can't go there and people can't live there. However, as, so at the time there, there were some survivors from it and they, and they told people, they go, listen, we're going to, um, relocate you to another area and, and some public housing, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And of course, most of the people went, but there were a group of women who said, no, we're going to stay. We're not leaving. We're going to stay here. This is our home and we'll figure it out. And they decided to stay. And do you know that those groups, uh, that group of women outlived the people who relocated because when they relocated, they lost uh, their rituals, they lost their right. routine, they lost the connection with community, because they, they separated, they just put them all in one area. They, they put them in housing that they, that they didn't have before, that there was just no, there was no semblance of purpose. No. But that group of women who stayed, they, they had a shared story of what happened, why they were staying, and that is what fed them and kept them going. When you look at Holocaust survivors, mm -hmm. a lot of them died after they were uh, released. 
uh, like within the first year because they couldn't, they, they didn't, they lost their sense of purpose. They survived years and years in camp, but then as soon as they were free, didn't realize like, oh my God, like the world isn't what it was when I went in, my family's dead, my job no longer exists, I have to start all over from scratch. And that just undone, that just undid a lot of, of people and they were, it was hard for them to survive after. So we need this, this sense of community, this sense of purpose, this sense of, of meaning that, um, that we have to find for ourselves uh, in, in some cases. And, but, but, but that informs like how well we're, why, if, if we do take care of ourselves, like, you know, you hear the stories of like grandparents or parents who um, they don't take care of themselves until like their kids have kids. And then they, all of a sudden they want to be around for the grandkids and they go, okay, I'll stop smoking if that means I can see my kid, yeah. you know, on the weekends. So th that power. Time's up. Time yeah. is ticking, yeah, Grandma. That's right. It, it, you start to feel it and you start to see how your behaviors are affecting your relationships mm -hmm. with other people if you care about them. Anthony Bourdain, you know, bless his heart, rest in peace. He, you know, people were like, why are you so sad and depressed and struggling? He goes, listen, I, I've been to all the, the most beautiful places in the world. He goes, but nothing is lonelier than going to the most beautiful hotel on the most beautiful balcony overlooking the most beautiful river and sites alone. He goes, my wife yeah. and kids were home. I couldn't take them with me. And he goes, that's not a life I, I wanted to live. And then, you know, I think his wife was, so it was like, even if he stayed home, that there was already, you know, trust was already broken, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But, right. but that's how powerful human connection is to us as, as people. Well, you know what else is powerful that you do is comedy. Yeah, yeah. Comedy is the most important thing in regards to mental health because yeah. it's bringing light, it's bringing energy, it's bringing laughter. I always say this, laughter is the best medicine. I don't know if that's scientifically proven, but I know that when I am in my deepest, saddest, manic phases of being bipolar, the only thing that pulls me out of that is a good joke. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, it's that simple. And I think that my whole goal with this podcast is not only to bring people on such as yourself that are informative, that are providing tools and helping everyone who's a part of this community, um, but to chuckle a little bit and to throw in a swear word and be a little naughty because I just feel, you know, we take things so seriously in life and everything is such a heavy burden, especially with mental health. I mean, I don't listen to any mental health shit because when I do, I feel worse about myself. And it's like, oh, well, here's what you should do to fix this. And if that doesn't work, and I'm like, do you live in my footsteps every day? No, sometimes I just want to sit there and I want to watch Dave Chappelle smoking and like talking to himself. Like, what is wrong with that? Like, that is making me like, when I wake up in the morning, you know, or if I want to put on a horror film, horror films do the same thing for me. Like they make me laugh. They make me have a good time, you know? So I think that's such an important key to who you are bringing the comedian aspect into it. And I guess what I was going to ask is you do stand up, correct? Like, so do you have, do you include your mental health knowledge and bring that to light with 
with being on stage? Absolutely. I, I, I talk about relationships and I talk about uh, my suicidal ideations. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I did a show in Vegas uh, maybe a year ago. Uh, it's, uh, I'm losing track of time with this whole COVID What's thing. time? I know, what's time, right? The time is now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about my struggles with depression, suicidal ideation, even having called the 1-800-SUICIDE uh, number uh, a couple times. And, but of course, making, talk, being sincere, but also showing the levity. Uh, of it and, and, and bringing humor to it. When I tell you after that show, the, the line of people who had tears in their eyes and wanted to come hug me because they either themselves had thought about ending their lives or they've lost someone close to them. I had pastors, I had fathers, I had black men, white men, it was mostly men. That's what was really fascinating. It was mostly men who just lost it and felt safe enough and comfortable enough and connected enough to just lose it in in my arms. And and it was one of those moments where uh, it made me feel a little bit like Dave Chappelle because he does do a great job of bringing levity to very uh, heavy topics and Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and making you lean in just a Mm -hmm. little bit. And I often get, um, you know, clients, uh, life coaching clients from my stand-up act also because, uh, because I am dropping so many nuggets in there and they go, oh my God, I didn't realize this is why I've been struggling in my relationships or this is how I could stand up for myself or find me. Well, people are just relating to you on a human to human connection. And I think that that's the most important. And I think what's also interesting is, you know, I can sit here and, and speak my truth and interview people and whatnot, but I, I haven't walked in a man's footsteps, right? I don't know what that's like. And men's mental health is so important to speak on. And it is so important to share stories because there is, just like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, right? You're a good old fashioned gentleman. You walk on the other side of the road for for the woman so that, you know, if some car hits, it's going to be you. You have been taught your entire life to be strong, to be the man, to be in charge, to, you know, not show your emotions, to not be weak. And you expressing it in a funny way and, and bringing light to it it's really going to change so many people and, and what you're doing is fantastic. And you just got to keep that going because you're just going to connect to men on such a different level and they're just going to love it. Anyways, that's just my spiel on that. I just think that comedy is like great. And just like, it's a way to get in there with people, you know, it's a way to make it all right and funny. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's kind of like when you're when you're a kid and your mom wanted to give you medicine, you know, she had to sweeten it up a little bit and, you know, choo choo or it was a plane or whatever was was going in. And and what's interesting is like half of my clientele are men, other half are women. It's it's 50 50. And and I I attribute that to having grown up. I have three sisters and but I grew up with, you know, my mom and and my younger sister. But um but I attribute that to, you know, the way I was raised and in, in, uh, in, in the household and 
but also, like I said, once again, like zooming out and looking beyond the gender, right? Looking at the person, understanding them. Like, yes, you know, men are a certain way, women are a certain way. Right. But who who are you as a man? Who are you right. as a woman? Who are you as a as an immigrant woman? Who are you as an entrepreneurial? You know. So once you start to and the Navy SEALs, they say if you really want to get to the source of of a person's uh, purpose or, or their reasoning, uh, you ask why five times, and it's on that fifth why that you get to the source of it. Viola Davis or Viola Davis. Uh, the actress, she actually just talked about that in uh, the New York uh, Sunday Times. She When she's wow. developing a character, if you want to know why a character is so promiscuous or why someone has a, a eating disorder, you, you ask them why. Like, why are you eating? Oh, because I'm stressed. Why are you stressed? Oh, I had a long day. Why did you have a long day? Because I just feel like I got to, you know, do a million things. And, and why do you feel like you have to do a million things? Because if there's any space, then I'll be alone with my thoughts. Or what are you going to think about when you, oh, I'm going to think about that time when I was abused when I was, oh, okay. So now we're getting to the, the source of, yeah. of the pain, of the hurt, yeah. of the discomfort. So, you know, I, I think that's why 50% of Americans are on painkillers, statistically speaking. And it's not that they're in pain, it's that yeah. they're, uh, uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with their emotions. They're uncomfortable in their relationships, and they don't know how to talk about it in a way that uh, is going to help them thrive. So they're numbing themselves because Absolutely. it's Absolutely. the easiest way to not get into your own mind. You know. Now you have your podcast, and how did you come up with your name? Because I can only imagine there could be some controversy behind it and i'll tell you why because your podcast is called before you kill yourself and it's fantastic everyone listen to it everyone subscribe um but i know that so this mental health world is totally new to me okay so like i've dealt with my own struggles but meeting people such as yourself and and speaking on panels and doing all this random public speaking that I have no idea what I'm doing, but people seem to listen. So I bullshit my way through it, you know, and just try to be me. But I have been told so many times that I don't do the language right, right? I'm someone that doesn't know language at all. Okay. I'm like, the worst. I mean the best, but yeah. I am just so bad at everything. Um, so I ask people, please forgive me if I say something wrong or if I do something wrong, because I really, I, my heart is there with you. But I have been told so many times like, oh no, the language is, no, someone does not commit suicide. Someone does not kill themselves. They die by suicide. They die, you know, all, all these different things. Has that been something that's been talked about to you? I, and, and this is like no judgment because you're in a judgment for each zone. I'm just so curious because it's all so new to me. I have no idea what is proper, what's not. Like, is it forgivable? Do people ever come at it? Like, because they come at me all the time. So that's oh, why I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I got a so lot of trolls. I've, <laughs> I've definitely had uh, some discussions about it. Actually, the, the, the biggest discussion was before I even launched the podcast. And it is the reason why I named it the podcast. So fascinating. Uh, it's, so I was, I was uh, on a plane. I just got done doing shows in Pakistan of, of all places. Wow. And I was coming back with the other. Wild. Comic. 
and we're on the plane and uh, we had we had just landed we're on the tarmac uh, but we got in a little early so we had to wait a bit and uh, i'm talking to my buddy and i go you know i'm thinking about starting a suicide prevention podcast uh and i, I want to call it uh before you kill yourself i was like i, I know it's a little edgy but uh but i was like but people need to talk about this and they're not talking about it and but so i need something that's gonna grab people and be like right oh, okay Get this that is attention okay. Yeah. yeah and as i'm having that conversation with them this lady who's about two rows in front of us jumps up we're on a plane mind you jumps up turns around and says be careful what you're talking about you don't know who could be listening in and she goes yeah she goes uh years ago I was in my bathroom and she's so loud, right? And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm peeled back in my seat. I'm glued to the chair. And Karen, goes, calm down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is like a Karen moment. She was like, I was in my bathroom with a gun to my head. I was about to pull the trigger. And then I, I heard my baby crying. And I go, holy shit, I can't pull the trigger. I have to go feed my baby. She goes, my baby saved my life. And then... I'm hearing the story and I think she was trying to dissuade me from the podcast in the title, but all that did was reinforce the message I was really trying to get out there is, hey, before you kill yourself, feed the baby, feed the baby, do your laundry, send out the emails, call a friend, go for a walk. And because when you look at the research on uh, uh, the, the, the moment between stimulus and response, right? In terms of uh, feeling activated or triggered to com, uh, end your life and how you respond to it, um, it's a small window. It's, it's a matter of seconds for a lot of people, uh, uh, maybe 10 minutes at the most, right? When you are, I call them sandstorms, when, they, when it really hits you and it just, and sometimes it is out the blue and it's a small window. It's a small enough window where if you go feed the baby or you call grandmama or you, you know you bake the cookies or, or do what, go for a drive that the sandstorm will pass through. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the idea is my, I want my podcast. It's an hour long. So by the, if you listen from beginning to end, that sandstorm has came, has gone, has come and gone. And that doesn't mean that it won't come back. It, it comes back for me uh, at, at different intervals. Sometimes it's, it's a bit more frequent than others, mm-hmm. depending on how I'm taking care of myself. But to know that, oh, I've, I've, I've survived a sandstorm. That's what this is. So I can, I can, I can survive future ones. What you want to do is get better at um, what you, the systems you have in place to deal with the sandstorms. Right. Meaning that Absolutely. a lot of people, they, they get this wave of suicide ideations uh, and it, maybe it passes and they, they don't give it any thought of, oh, wait, but it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. But they haven't changed anything. They haven't put a system in place of who can they call? Do I call the 1-800-SUICIDE number or 273-TALK? Do I call a friend? Uh, mm-hmm. Do I have a couple of friends that I can talk to when the next time this happens? Am I going to travel somewhere? Am I going to eat? Like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. when that next sandstorm comes around because it's coming back around for a lot of people. It might be in a It year, always comes. 10 years. Mine right? comes back all the time. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, absolutely. Well, I, I really, I want everyone to go out there and listen to your podcast and, you know, take that hour. And I think that, you know, the more conversations that can be had, the more ways we can make this as stigma free as possible and hearing from different viewpoints and from different people. And, you know, you interview people, I interview people, you're someone, I'm someone, we are like all humans just trying to find this connection and trying to relate at some point. And I always, you know, say, and I sound so fucking repetitive, but it's like one person can hear your story and you could save someone's life. Um, and you don't even realize it because that's happened for me for people that I've never even met before. And I'm just, you know, I listen and I'm like, oh my God, like I want to continue this, you know? Um, but Leo, I'm going to ask you my final question. What is your emotional support? Everything, everything, everything everything around me, use all of it. You know, uh, we were talking about chess at the very, very beginning of the game. And one of the things, one of the lessons they teach you in chess is use and advance all of your positions, right? Use all the pieces right down the middle. And I say that because, you know, we're coming up on the holidays. I don't know when this podcast is going to air. I don't know why I feel emotional right now, but there Every, you know, this is a time of year where we're thinking about what gifts that we want. Uh, we're making our vision list, all these different things. But this is also a great time of year for you to take stock of your resource, right? Who are, who are the friends in your life? Who are the family members in your life? Who are the, the, the peripheral support, like your mailman, the cashier? Who are those people that say hi and bye to you? Uh, uh, on a regular, um, yeah. who are, are your resources? You know, the yeah, who are your yeah. resources? What, what books uh, speak to your heart? What movies touch your soul? What songs, uh, uh, you know, take you to a place that you want to go? I have a, a podcast episode where we talk about how to make a therapeutic playlist. Um, mm, I love are, that. What are the resources that you have? And, and the reason why you want that's what you want to write down is because our brain literally plays tricks on us when we get emotional. Our hippocampus flares up and it only will remember the, it only has a memory for the negatives in our lives. And so we forget that we have a friend that we can reach out to or who invited us to a thing or a place that we can go or a thing to look forward to. So on a daily, we have to be vigilant take stock, utilize your resources, whether it's this green smoothie, you know, mm -hmm. Albert Camus said, um, the meaning of life is, is whatever in the moment will stop you from killing yourself. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's a phone call or a cookie, keep, you know, use all of it, look around, breathe it in, be in awe of your surroundings, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you can hear, that you can see, like there's so much about the world and life that we can explore uh, that can help ground us. All of it is my emotional support. Oh my gosh, that was one of the best answers I've ever heard and not even just on the podcast, like outside of the podcast. So that was very fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your honesty and your openness and you really just... Um, trying to just by being yourself helping others uh have a little laugh have a giggle and have a cookie <laughs> <laughs>